every generation there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. Welcome to Conversations with Dead People, a post-mortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. My name's Paul, I'm your host, and I'm typically joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we make our way through the critically acclaimed series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off series Angel. And we, uh, we're entering the home stretch at last. We are kicking off the final season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with episodes 701 Lessons, 702 Beneath You, and 703 Same Time, Same Place. And speaking of same time, same place, only like two years later, <laughs> joining me this time <laughs> uh, is Teresa Fortier, um, founder of SupportSpike.com, producer at VidiotsOnline.com and a partner with Nicholas Brendan uh, on the Slightly Askew uh, program via NikkiBrendan.com. Teresa, thank you so much for coming back after so long an absence. Thank you so much for inviting me back. I'm very excited about it. Yes. Um, So you joined me for the very first Spike episode ever. It was uh, episode seven of this podcast, and we talked about School Hard. And so... We've we have not been able to connect any time since then, but finally, <laughs> finally, fingers crossed, powers that be willing, the the stars have aligned, and we and you're here to help me kick off the new era of the brand new shiny, uh, sparkified spike. <laughs> yes, the spike with a soul. Yes, finally. Um, but first, this uh, the slightly askew thing is new to your resume since the last time I spoke to you. So uh, why don't you let us know what that's all about and what you've been doing for the last two years? Well, not long after we recorded that podcast, I went on the road with Nicholas Brendan to do um, a meet and greet tour with Buffy fans. And we did watch parties and karaoke and bowling and all sorts of fun events Um Two or three times a week, started in Massachusetts in 2018, went to California, loved it so much, decided to do it on the way back, and then kind of never stopped until the the virus got in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it took a plague to, to stop you guys. Oh, God, it was just wonderful traveling and meeting everyone, and it's, it's so hard right now because... Yeah. You know, we're, we really had a great time, but we were trying to do as much as we can online and having live events several times a week on his Facebook page. And we're just going to keep going and keep figuring out ways to connect with people. Well, that's awesome. I, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, personally, to me, that much travel sounds like a nightmare, but different strokes. <laughs> I am someone that enjoys not having to cook or clean for myself and oh, that's, hotel living does that <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense my <laughs> my wife and I do take the occasional trip 
you know, just like weekend trips or whatever out of town. And I do love that because like you said, living in a hotel with room service and all that is, is amazing. But, uh, but you were driving, like, right? You like drove cross yeah. country. Yeah. That's well, I had a long career in apparel and I had to travel to Asia all the time. Oh my goodness. And that was always very, very long flights. And I didn't want to ever have to get on a plane again. And I had no problem driving everywhere and I would just live in a car. <laughs> I'm waiting for, for reality to catch up with Star Trek. I want my transporters so I don't have to drive cross country, which I've done and hated. And I don't have to fly cross country, which I've done and hated. <laughs> I just want to... <laughs> I just want to step into the transporter. In yes, exactly. Um, so speaking of the, the pandemic, the plague, uh, you're sheltered in a bunker right now, yes? Oh, yes. I've been living in a couple of secret society buildings. It's been quite exciting. I was supposed to fly back home in March. Um, I live in Massachusetts. I'm currently stuck in California um, <laughs> because I, I think um, – Massachusetts did the whole stay at home order uh -huh. the day before I was due to fly and California did it the day I was due to fly. <laughs> so I just decided not to fly and I've been hanging out with friends and um, just getting work done here and, and participating with the online stuff since it's a open world now pretty much when it comes to being able to connect and yeah, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, it sucks that you got trapped all the way, like literally as far away as you could possibly be from home and still be in the United States. But, uh, well, I mean, I guess you could be in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been to better places. I'm allergic to the sun in any shape or form, so I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. <laughs> no wonder you're a Spike fan. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, Let's get this started. I'm going to throw... Well, let me give the spoiler warning, because as crazy as it sounds, every episode of this podcast is somebody's first. If you've decided to join us uh, with the first episode of the seventh season of this show, God bless you, uh, but let me give you the spoiler warning. Conversations with Dead People is not a typical rewatch and review podcast. We're going to be exploring the plots, characters, and themes of each episode in depth and within the context of the series as a whole, which means we are going to be spoiling things all the things probably so i recommend if you haven't already watched buffy the vampire slayer and ideally angel the Va or angel angel the vampire slayer angel the series <laughs> all the way through at least once press pause go do that you can come back to us whenever you're ready uh and now with all of that taken care of Teresa, if you're ready let's go to work happy to all right i was going to throw a couple caveats out there uh one we are recording at um at the <laughs> At O Dark Thirty, in order to <laughs> in order to make uh, both of our our uh, internet receptions coalesce and work, we had to we're recording by the light of the full moon or something uh, in a grove of trees. But um, yeah, so we we've uh, made a couple attempts to record this, and I think finally we've gotten this to work. Um, the other caveat that I will put out there, in case it seems like my mind wanders during this podcast, um, it's not because it's 2 a.m. for me. Uh, I'm I'm a night owl, so 2 a.m. is no big deal. But I have spent the last three days straight, basically nonstop, just powering my way through uh, The Last of Us Part Two, the video game that just came out, which is which is 
it's something and i need to do a podcast <laughs> all about that game and uh that's <laughs> i finished i literally finished the game an hour ago <laughs> so, wow so now i'm trying to get my brain back into buffy mode so. and how long was that that power through how many days <laughs> uh it, it was it was basically three days i mean i got the game on friday and I've basically been playing it nonstop. I think I didn't check my final number, but as I was getting close to the end, I was at like 28 hours. So I'd say that uh, it was probably in the 30 to 35 hour range that I played the game. But not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, that game, man, that game is brutal and dark. And I I love dark fiction, but. That game was more than I was anticipating, and I'm really I'm going to need to sit with that for a while. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, so let's uh, let's get cheery by talking about uh, <laughs> vampires and high school horrors. Um, so we'll start off with lessons. The first episode of season seven, and I will say straight out of the bat, that, uh, straight out of the gate, that uh, I've in the multiple revisits that i've done of buffy the vampire slayer over the years season seven is the one that i've revisited the least so it's the one that i have the shakiest memories of um it tends to whenever i talk about my feelings of the series it tends to kind of get lumped in with season six which i have complicated feelings on um but uh, having watched the first three episodes of season seven i am very pleasantly surprised I I had forgotten how how strong the first at least the first three episodes of season seven were. So I'm very happy. Yeah, you know, I very similar to you. I have not seen season seven as much as all of the other seasons. Um, back when it was airing weekly, I used to get scripts early. I used to sometimes get casting sides because I was a spoiler person. Um, <laughs> I used to uh, get set reports. I would get an early feed of the episode before it aired. Wow. I'd see the episode. I would do a rewatch of the episode with people. Then I'd watch it myself. So I would usually see a new episode four or five times a week with like months of knowledge and preparation prior man um, that's crazy <laughs> and then season seven because it wasn't something that was continuing continuing like every other season you knew there was more coming um i basically watched it through once a week and then maybe one rewatch and then i have not watched it again hmm. i've watched particular scenes because i think some of the best acted scenes in the series actually end up in season seven um but I've not watched entire episodes of season seven, including a scene. Perhaps you were including a scene we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So, well, let's start with lessons. And uh, what, what are your feelings on this? I just, the main thing I remember about this episode is there was a lot of anxiety before the season started because the spoilers that were coming out was saying that it was very heavily focused on Dawn and her new friends because the casting sides were out early for the friends that they were going to be bringing on. Um, so there was a lot of people thinking, okay, this is it. Buffy's over and we're getting ready for Dawn, the vampire slayer. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I would like to go on record as saying that I would kind of be okay with that, but <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I think, um, 
people would have been reasonably happy with that. They would have gotten used to it because they still would have been seeing most of the Scoobies that they know. Um, and it was better than no Buffy at all. Um, but I, I think in contrast to having basically the potentials taking over, it definitely would have been preferable to have Don the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I, one of my vague memories, memories of season seven as it was originally airing was, uh, that I don't, I don't know if it was so much the series itself felt confused or confusing as just the fan base felt kind of, I don't know, scattered and confused. That's just my memory. It seemed like people didn't know what to make of the season for quite a while. Yeah. Well, you live with a show for six years. Yeah. You kind of get used to a pattern. There's characters that you consider to be favorites that you obviously want to have more airtime. You know, me and Sports Spike as an example. Um, and then you get to the season, you know, Joss is kind of pulling away because he's got other projects. You know, Sarah's already decided the show's going to end. So there, there's a lot of things going on in the world of the show and then a lot of things going on in the world of the fan and you're just trying to figure out what you're going to do next when it's over. Um, So it it makes sense that people really weren't sure what to make of it. Well, um, well, we can talk about Dawn the Vampire Slayer, but actually, (laughs) actually I want to, I thought it was fascinating that the season, the final season of the series opens with a vampire literally stuck in its own grave <laughs> um, with Buffy giving a, a you know, a speech, uh, a yep. training speech about it's, you know, it's about power, who holds the power, the stake is not the power, whatever. <laughs> um, again, I know that, and this is something that's come up on the podcast in the past, but I know that the first episode or two of each season basically lays out uh, whether it's blatantly or if they're subtle, but it always sort of lays out what the theme of that season is going to be. But even so, like every single time a new season starts, I'm, I'm always, I continue to be surprised about things like Buffy just outright says what the theme of the season is going to be. But it was a fun scene. I enjoyed the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I'm very happy to see uh, that they carried through on the promise of Grave, uh, the season six finale, when uh, Dawn finally got to join the fight and wield a sword and, and kill some baddies. And, and <laughs> Buffy promised that, you know, she'd, she'd uh, start treating her with more respect or whatever. I'm, I'm very happy to see that they followed that at least this far. Yeah. I don't, I I don't remember, I don't remember how long that sticks in season seven, but, um, I do enjoy seeing Dawn with more responsibilities and being allowed to be a regular part of the team. Yep. Right to the point where she feels comfortable enough about her own power to kick her own sister out of her own house, (laughs) (laughs) which is, but I'm not bitter. (laughs) Which is a moment that I do remember is coming. Uh, I can't remember where. I don't remember what episode it is or where or where it happens. But I know that that's coming, and I know <laughs> that it will probably uh, spark some debate on the podcast. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But okay. Um, 
as for this episode, uh, let's see, we we have to put all the pieces back on the board. So, of course, you know, we see that um, Buffy is allowing Dawn to train. Um, the high school is rebuilt. I thought that was a great way to end the the cold open of the episode um, with our first shot of Robin Wood, the new principal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, Xander is uh, being all like adult and mature and holding down a job. Um, although there was one line, there's, there's a line, uh, that I wondered if they were telling us, um, not to take, oh, it was, um, it's Giles. When we finally see what's going on with Willow, she's over in England, she's staying with Giles in the coven and she's learning about her power and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Giles says some line about, uh, man, I thought I wrote this down, but he says something about, you know, we all, something about we are all who we are when she says, I want to be Willow. Uh, and he says, well, we are all who we are, no matter how much we <laughs> appear to have changed. Uh, and I feel like it cuts from that to Xander in his spiffy suit being all adult. And I, wa- I just thought that was an interesting cut. I thought that mm-hmm. that might be Giles right up front telling us, yeah, Xander looks like he's a grown up and he's holding down a job, but is he really? Right. And well, I think Giles asks Willow if she wants to be punished for what she did. Yeah. And that's when she says, I just want to be Willow. And Giles says, you are in the end. We are all who we are, no yeah. matter how much we may appear to have changed. And like you said, it, it, it cuts from there to Buffy and Dawn getting ready and then Xander heading off to work and everybody doing their typical Scooby thing on a school morning and that's so that's it's so i don't know it's so bleak and depressing the episode is fun i i enjoy the episode i enjoy all three of these episodes we're going to talk about but when i don't know just (laughs) giles that's kind of like the power line where buffy lays out what the theme of the season is going to be and then giles gets to say yeah we they look like they're grown-ups but they're not I don't know. That's uh, depressing. And, and it may not just necessarily be whether or not they're grownups or not. It's just, you know, a slayer's got to slay. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you got the cards that have been dealt to you, and deep down she needs to keep doing what she's doing, and he keeps needing to be the normal guy, and Don has to keep being the student, and Bill still has to be the powerful witch. Yeah. It's just where you are. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, we are all who we are, no matter how much we appear to have changed, <laughs> we'll see, we will see at the end of this season, the end of this podcast season, when we're discussing the, the finale of the series, uh, we'll see if that applies to me as well. Because <laughs> I, <have, laughs> I, I have an opinion about something that happens in the finale that may mm-hmm. undo all of the goodwill that I've, <laughs> I've garnered uh, over the course of doing this podcast. Um, so the Giles's words may come back to haunt me. Um, and, you know, that scene that they filmed is actually filmed at his house yeah. in England. So he hadn't, he had gone back to be with his family right. um, after the musical 
and they wanted him to film for the season and they just decided we're going to send, you know, Allison over and a B team and we'll, we'll film the scenes there. Yeah. You don't have to come here yet. (laughs) And that was his horse he was riding. Yep. Yeah. That's very cool. That was very cool. We definitely got early spoilers about that too, which is interesting to hear that they were going to go film on location in England. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, if only they had filmed Istanbul on location. Yeah. (laughs) That one would have been. (sighs) So uh, none of these three episodes, well, we'll stick with lessons. This episode doesn't tell us what that, uh, that, bit with the girl running away from the robed figures and then getting stabbed was. Um, And like I said, my memories of season seven are shaky, but I, I can take a, an educated guess that this is them setting up the premise of the whole potentials thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we get, I think we get one in all three of these, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think Germany's next. And then um, I can't remember after that, but yeah. Um, which is interesting. So I kind of like this whole globe trotting feel <laughs> that the beginning of the season is trying to set up. I know, I, I know we don't stick with that and the show, yeah. the show couldn't afford to do that anyways, but it is kind of fun to be reminded that this stuff is going on all over the world, not just in Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Spike. What uh, anytime you like. Uh, well, I was going to ask what <laughs> I was going to ask what your reaction was when you first watched this, but but you said that you you are forewarned about this stuff weeks or months in advance. So. Yeah. Um, well, we actually knew. Let's see. We we had heard rumors about the scene in season six where um, Spike, quote-unquote, dies um, from having all of these bugs all over him. And, um, you know, there was at the time a lot of debate about the reason why he went to the demon and if he intended to get a soul or if that was just whatever. Um, And it's been put to bed many times, even though a lot of people still don't want to believe that he went there on purpose. To get the soul. Yeah. Um, but then over that summer, like they, they didn't say at the finale exactly what it was that happened. But over the summer, we um, had a lot of Buffy conventions that James attended. And um, he had, if I recall correctly, started growing out his hair and wasn't bleaching it. And at the beginning, it was like it was what we called hiatus hair, where he he wouldn't do the bleaching during like summers and breaks. Right. But but it was going a little bit longer and a little bit further than he would normally go. Um, And then, you know, some of us started hearing the rumors that it was a soul and that that's what was going to happen and all this other stuff. And then obviously he pops up and he's crazy. so it, it wasn't a big, huge surprise for me, but I imagine that quite a few people were surprised. And that's why there are a large portion of fans that watched the show but didn't get into the nitty gritty that still think that it was a trick, that he didn't intend to do it. He intended to to just go and yeah. be able to get the chip out and come back and kill Buffy. Yeah. 
Um, I, I wish I could remember if I knew in advance, if I had heard any spoil. I'm also, I don't mind spoilers at all. Um, but I, I clearly was not as plugged in as you were. Um, <laughs> I didn't have access to all that stuff, but I genuinely can't remember if, uh, rumors about how Spike would come back were out there or if they weren't, if the rumors weren't circulating and I wasn't privy to them, um, I can almost guarantee that in my own mind, I was speculating that he was going to come back with us all. I, I really yeah. feel like the show didn't trick me with that thing at the end of season six. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, I usually have so much trust and faith in these writers and I think they're very good at plot twists, but I do agree that the way that setup was at the end of season six, it was kind of um, messy. Yeah. So I, I can understand why people misinterpreted, and I understand when the writers say, it was a bait and switch. You weren't supposed to know. I know, but you were still supposed to have some indication when you look back <laughs> that that was the case. Um, so so. I, I, know, I know you've spoken with uh, James uh, quite a bit, right? You've, you've, you've been in communication with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody would know, it's probably you, but I, I would wonder if because famously spike developed the way he did and became the character he did in large part because james played the character with more soul than was written i believe as a direct right. quote or whatever like that's it's famously the case he made the character more compelling than he was meant to be and so the writers kept him around uh i'm wondering if james wasn't privy like if they didn't tell james what the ultimate thing in mind with spike was and so he they said you know this is what you're going to do but we're not going to tell you what it means and if he just you know it, even in the back of his mind he tried to play it as straight as possible but he may have slanted it towards i'm just trying to get the chip out yeah i mean he definitely didn't know all the details at the time mm -hmm. and you can see it in the performance. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he he doesn't always like read ahead and try to do that because it can trick with you. A lot of people think you should only know what your character knows up to that point in time. Yeah. But in this case, his character should have known what his motivation was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So I think that made things a lot more difficult. Yeah. Well, so the spike that we get. Um, has his soul back and has been driven crazy by it. And um, again, don't know how keyed in I was back then or how clear it was to me on my original viewing. But this time around, it was very plain to me that the sort of like his ravings were not the same as like Drusilla's ravings. Right. Drusilla is a very obviously she's she's unhinged or whatever but she's a very poetic <laughs> sort of lunatic um <laughs> which i guess is ironic since uh william was a bloody awful poet but uh spike's ravings here it really sounds like uh young william like the things that he's saying the the right the even his voice to the... a certain extent is is young william Exactly. You start getting more of the educated sound, a lot of talk about, you know, things like his carrying his slate mm -hmm. and things, things like that, that 
definitely bring you back to sitting in that party in Fool for Love and seeing him kind of be the odd man out with all the party goers and getting made fun of and all that. But what what we really didn't know at this point was the first was making him crazy. I mean, if, if the first hadn't been following me around, maybe he'd come back to Sunnydale sane. <laughs> right. Or sane as you could be knowing you'd killed thousands of people. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, I, I don't want to rush us through this episode. If there's stuff in it that you want to talk about, uh, just let me know. But, um, well, let's talk about Dawn, this vampire slayer, because you, t- you said that they were, they sort of introduced her potential Scooby gang. Yeah. So the, the first casting sites we got for the season were the characters that were her new friends that she met in school. So we're like, oh, you know, here's Dawn and here's Kit and here's, you know, and we're thinking, huh, is this supposed to be the new Willow and the new Xander? And yeah. Thankfully, um, well, I shouldn't say thankfully because I have a completely different perspective now. But at the time, we were like, okay, this, these sides say that these are two to three episodes with potential for more, which in retrospect sometimes makes me wonder if they did intend to have that as kind of a a possible side option for a spinoff yeah um and then probably just had so much backlash from doing it that they're like oh maybe not (laughs) um but they didn't last that long i i I don't think they they again i don't i don't think they appeared again after the first episode yeah i think they're i think this is it so yeah um yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of a shame. I, I I've talked many times throughout this podcast about the the spin-offs that I wish we had gotten to see. <laughs> and uh you know, I would yep. if they had spun Dawn off into her own her own like, you know, series, I would have watched it. But Yeah. I mean, I I was ready and willing to watch anything. I mean, I'm not a a big fan of Angel and I watched every episode of that show even before spike went over so (laughs) um even on their worst days a joss whedon show is far superior to the majority of other programming so i would be there right yes um so i i have a reputation for being kind of a connoisseur of fight choreography in my genre fiction um it's just something that i pay very close attention to and uh, good fight choreography will always impress me, even if the scene it's in isn't isn't that great. Um, so I mm-hmm. have to I have to call out the sort of the bricks in the handbag fight as <laughs> as a standout. Um, I mean, it's a little bit crazy that that was how that, that was the weapon that she had, but <laughs> I appreciate it because it's different. Like in in the previous six seasons, I don't think she'd ever done anything we'd ever seen anything like that before it had always been stakes or knives or blades of some sort or pool cues and uh (laughs) so this was a different weapon and just the choreography of making that flow you've got someone spinning this super heavy pendulum around their head and having to hit the stuntman over here but miss the stunt woman standing behind them it was it was I really was a fan of that fight. <laughs> to this day, my favorite fight choreography on Buffy 
is the slap fight with Xander and Harmony. <laughs> okay, yes. Just true. thinking about it always gets me to crack up. True. That was very good. <laughs> um, and, you know, props to Kit for having the most durable handbag ever. Because <laughs> that purse uh, withstood having a bunch of bricks shoved into it and then smashed into the undead repeatedly Anything you get these days the handle would have fallen off i know even lifted the bricks i know i know <laughs> um okay so uh the final scene of this um is was fun because <laughs> we get to see we although we don't know it at the time we get to see the first mm-hmm. in various forms and it was a uh, it was like a a walk down memory lane Back to the beginning. Yes. Um, I love that line, back to the beginning, not the bang, not the word, the true beginning. That is a great line. Um, made even more so because it's delivered by the master. Mm-hmm. Um, who I miss. I really, I I know they found a couple opportunities to bring him back in for brief visits, but I, I wish we'd gotten the master for a little bit longer than we did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we get, so this is the first time that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that Spike gets to be on screen with, let's see, the mayor and the master. I think those are the only two that he hadn't appeared on screen with before. Is that right? Does that sound right? That does sound right. Okay. I mean, it wasn't much of a scene cause he was just groveling on the ground and didn't really get to inter- interact, <laughs> but still I, it was, it was fun that he finally got a, a scene with both of those characters actually powerhouses all of them yeah and uh of course i will i will forever miss glory so i'm glad we got to see glory again (laughs) um and then the the real twist and i do remember my reaction or i remember some of my reaction to the very end when the first appears as buffy and says you still don't get it it's not about right not about wrong Mm-hmm. Poof, there's Buffy. It's about power, um, which is a great bookend, since that's kind of how the episode began. But I I believe that my reaction to that on first viewing was I, I didn't quite piece it together that this is an entity pretending to be Buffy. Mm-hmm. And so I. And it's not necessarily about someone being evil, but just about somebody having been dead. Right, right. Um, so I, I think it made me, and you know, I'll own it. I I'm inclined to be open to this sort of thing, but it made me suspicious of Buffy. I think for a little while, because mm-hmm. I, I, it didn't dawn on me immediately that uh, that that is just someone appearing as Buffy. Um, I I I wondered if what the show was telling us is that Buffy is somehow actually involved in this or responsible for what's happening. <laughs> But, which is interesting because another thing that I have to say about um, all three of these episodes is that, um, very uncharacteristically for me, I genuinely liked Buffy Summers in, in all three of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, th- that's been a common thing for me. And you heard my um, kind of censure of 
the team for kicking Buffy out of her house. Right. Normally, I am the last person to defend Buffy for anything. <laughs> and yet that one scene really gets to me <laughs> for her on her behalf. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. We'll, we'll see how I take that scene when it happens. But um, yeah, so I I'm almost always looking for reasons to to just roll my eyes at Buffy at the in the best of times but Mm -hmm. um yeah i would say uh at least these three that we're talking about tonight i i really didn't have a problem with buffy i quite enjoyed her yeah she was a little lighter and easier to handle compared to at least the previous two seasons yeah i liked again i don't know that it would have to have morphed into dawn the vampire slayer but i just liked what seemed to be the setup for the paradigm shift where mm-hmm. all of our original characters were going to it's still going to be their show but they were now living in sort of the adult world and we'd get to see the high school world through dawn and her friends right and i think we talked a little bit about this the last time that you know the the change in who your sympathies are with based on what your past experiences are. So originally Buffy, Xander and Willow were the outsiders. Yes. Yes. And it felt that way, you know, first season they were being made fun of and there were the popular kids that were just giving them a hard time. And then suddenly you have Anya and you have Tara and you have Spike who are now the significant others, but now you've, you're later on and Buffy, Xander, and Willow become the in-group and the other three become the outsiders. So more people that come in later start identifying with them because, you know, for, for me, I just spike right off the bat because no matter what he did, he wasn't, you know, he, he just wanted to love somebody, but he was never good enough. Um, So I was like, Oh, this character is awesome. And I totally sympathize and I want him to get the girl, even though I hate the girl. Um, (laughs) But now the same thing's happening here. You've got all of them then became the in crowd. So then your next kind of outsider group would have been Dawn. And so that that's where I kind of get that feeling from. Before we move on to, to beneath you, um, I, we talk about that great scene at the end with the uh, the walk down memory lane of villains past. <laughs> I assume that's a thing that you had been spoiled on. Very much so, and also we knew that it was the first. We we oh okay. We knew that the first was going to be the the villain for the season. Crazily enough, wow. Um, yeah, and God, I I have no idea how all the information ended up getting to us. Some, some things came very anonymously, <laughs> um, but we, we had all these groups and we talked things through and everyone would piece everything together. And by the time season seven came around, we were all a well-oiled machine <laughs> and we knew way more than, you know, we probably should have. I mean, anything really according to the networks is more than we should have. But, yeah. Um, it, it was to the point here, like by the end of season seven, before Angel um, season five started, I actually had the script for the first episode. And um, I was at a convention and Mercedes hadn't even received the script yet. <laughs> I'm like, you want to borrow mine? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, Lots I, of leaks. 
Yeah. I I remember um I don't even know if this counts as a spoiler because it I I think it was public knowledge that uh that Spike was going to be joining uh season 5 of Angel and so the fact that he goes up in flames at the end of Buffy uh, <laughs> lost a little bit of its potency maybe because we knew the character was going to come back. Yeah. And that was completely accidental. That was not supposed to be spoiled. Um, WB put out a, I think a press release or something before the finale of Buffy. Yeah. So what was supposed to be a big, huge surprise about him sacrificing himself, everyone was just like, okay, when's he going to die? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, all right, let's move into Beneath You, uh, which yes. is, a, it's the biggie. It's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So what happens in this episode? Uh, we get another um, potential at the beginning, the German potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a bit of trivia that I read that I thought was interesting. The song that's playing uh, in the background, the German techno song that's playing as the the robed guys are trying to hunt her down, is called, I, I don't speak for uh, German, so I apologize, Vondertief, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, it's by a band called Stiltze Stund. Um, and the lyrics that are playing in the background, um, I'm not going to read the German lyrics, but it translate <laughs> it translates to "from the depth it devours." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's pretty crazy. That, uh, I because that's a real band, and I don't think that they uh, wrote this song specifically for Buffy. It just happened to be a line in the song. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Definitely. Um, okay, but what are your thoughts on uh, on this episode leading up to the f- amazing ending? Yeah, so we actually heard a lot about this episode before it aired because they um, redid the ending scene several times. The, f- the first time it was done, it was done with another director, um, and Joss saw the scene and was just like this is not what I'm going for and he rewrote it and redirected it himself to what you see today so we everyone who was a Spike fan was so anxious to see this and we we got some dailies of the scene we got some dailies of what it looked like beforehand Um, we got both versions of the script so we could compare and contrast and I don't remember now what what the big call outs were but I remember at the time there was some things that it was like yeah I totally get why they would want to take this part out I get why they're adding this part in um but it was just we were just so anxious to see this thing because it just seemed incredible and getting to see the final cut of it God, it still blows me away every time. It is. As does the fact that Buffy can just run away when this (laughs) guy is burning up on a cross for her. Uh, Yeah. So Um, my hatred hit there. (laughs) Again. um, Well, one of my favorite things. Well, I'll wait. We'll build up to that last scene and I'll talk about it. But um, so the rest of the episode, they, they introduce... Uh, a character, Nancy, who they try to make us think 
could be a potential uh, love interest for Xander. Um, yeah. And as far as I know, this is her one and only episode. So obviously that's not a, a thing. Um, and they, they start dealing with the fact that Anya is a vengeance demon again and trying to do vengeancey things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they hit it pretty strong, pretty fast. I, I thought they'd do more of a, a build up to figuring out Anya's place in the world, but this was definitely bam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we get here? Uh, I am trying to think of standouts. The conversation between Buffy and Spike. Well, I, I love the whole scene when Spike pops shows up at the house and Everybody gets super <laughs> tense and Nancy is trying to figure it out, trying to figure out <laughs> and, and just her reactions every time. Like when Xander stands up and acts like he's going to kill Spike or whatever. I, I, I loved watching her as the outsider experience this dysfunctional family that was going on. Um, <laughs> notice the blue shirt. <laughs> I, was yes. like, I was like, anytime Spike gets a significant change in wardrobe, it means something. Exactly. And, you know, in, in the church scene, my one of my favorite lines is costume didn't help, couldn't hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know exactly what's going on here. He's he's trying to be a different guy. Yeah. He, he's trying to, you know, be the, the guy that Buffy needs, the guy with the soul. And it's it's just heartbreaking when you're thinking of all these things he's trying to do to make her see that he's trying to become a good person because everything else he ever did good got discounted by these supposedly good people uh, <laughs> and then for like him specifically to say i i tried everything i put new clothes on <laughs> yeah i mean i i've uh, i've maintained and i'm not the only one i'm i'm not special in this but i've maintained that um spike himself is a costume that William wears. Yep. Uh, the the leather duster is, and the the hair and the accent and all that stuff is a costume that he wears. Um, and after one hundred percent, after doing it for a hundred years, it's become second nature. So he he doesn't think of it that way anymore. And now that he's trying to kind of go back to being, or now that he feels like he can go back to being more like William, uh, he describes it as putting on a costume when yep. really what he's doing is trying to take off the one he's been wearing for a hundred years. <laughs> no, um, very astute. Well, I'm not, I, I feed <laughs> off the brains of smarter people. Um, I loved the scene. Speaking of spinoffs that I wish that we gotten to <laughs> see, um, even though I, I despise Xander's whole attitude towards Spike. I I hate it. I hate it. Oh boy! Have nothing. Nikki and I talked about that over and over again. Nothing upsets me about Xander as much as when he's being a an ass to Spike. But aside from that, or despite that, every once in a while they'll give those two a a short scene together where they're where it's almost like a buddy cop movie. They've done it a couple oh, yeah. times. They've done it a couple times, and every time I'm like. That's what I want to see. That's the dynamic yeah. I want them to start playing with. And they did it again here, and it was great. I, I, I love the two of them when they are 
begrudgingly sidekicked with each yeah, other. Yeah, when they're playing the odd couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, the we get the um, Spike and Xander giving each other the side eye when mm-hmm. Nancy asks, "Is there anyone here who hasn't slept together?" Exactly. Yeah. And you know, at the at the time, everyone was speculating. Oh, does that mean the writers know about the slash fan fiction? Um, well, <laughs> of yeah, they of did. Of course, they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, this, that dynamic is exactly what um, a lot of people did enjoy seeing, which is why there was so much fan fiction. Um, plus, the fact that you know, when when Nicholas Brendan started writing the season ten Buffy comic books. Mm-hmm. He had their relationship, friendship, whatever, be a big focus of that season. They were actually roommates. They were raising cats together. <laughs> um, so like he, he's like, th- this is exactly the best part of these two. And I'm going to expand that and, and really make that a more canon part of the show to have them be friends. See... Odd couple getting along living together see i i've (laughs) i continue to refuse to get back into the comics so so i read the comics i've said this many times i read the comics for a little while as they were coming out got super fed up with it and never went back um and i've had multiple people since tell me that i should give them another chance and go back because good stuff happens in the later comic series and what you just said is as close as anyone has yet come (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to making me be like, okay, yes, I'll do it. I'll go back and revisit. Yes, so, if I know that it's leading a, to that. I had a very similar struggle. Um, I tried so hard my entire life to get into comic books because a lot of people I respect enjoy them. Yeah. But they lose my attention so fast. And I'm talking long before Buffy. Um, and then with everything that I was involved in with Buffy, I felt I needed to read the Buffy season eight comics because I, you know, I was jonesing season seven. I wanted more content. These were out there. I'm a completist. So I'm like, okay, I have to read season eight. I got through maybe five or six issues and totally gave up on it. It didn't feel like Buffy. It didn't look like Buffy. I didn't know what the heck was going on with giant dons and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff that was happening. And I just couldn't do it. And then, you know, I, I, got a look at what was going on with season nine and I'm like no I'm still not really liking this <laughs> and then season 10 came along and you know I, I was not a Xander fan and I wasn't someone who really followed Nicholas Brendan so the fact that he was writing it wasn't a draw so much as the fact that there was a whole writer's summit where they had like Jane and they had Joss and they had Nikki and they had Christos and they were all in one place doing it like they used to do it with, you know, figuring out an arc for the season and assigning episodes and all this other stuff that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give season 10 a read. And that is really, really hard for me because there's very few circumstances in my life where I will skip episodes or start a show that has yeah. been on that I can't see what happened before. Um, I, I have to go back and start from the beginning. So if someone says, Oh, we really think you'll love the show that's been on for 14 seasons. I'll be like, okay. And I will sit there from episode one, season one, yeah. and start from the beginning. Yeah. 
Um, but season 10, I made that rare exception and I read the first one and was completely hooked. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like Buffy. This feels like Buffy. The language patterns are what I would expect. And I was just drawn in from there on. And season 10 was exactly what I wanted season seven of the show to be. So I highly recommend reading them. And I also for (laughs) really hard, this hurts my heart, hurts my brain. Skip seasons eight and nine (laughs) for your own sanity. Um, Start with 10. You're not missing much. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, no, I get what you're saying about uh, that being really hard. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I could do it, but we'll see. We'll see. It's <laughs> exactly. um, such a rare thing for me. It really is. I, I have bad OCD, mm-hmm. and just the knowledge that there's two numbers in my number succession that I've skipped over still to this day makes me feel I need to go back in time and read those two seasons. But yeah. I, I have not regretted reading season 10 and I just, it's so well done. There's so many issues that I just, I, I think about, you know, I, I actually think about them in terms of episodes rather than issues, but it's just so good. And I, you know, I'm obsessed with cats anyway. So the fact it's cats every other page is really <laughs> a draw for me. Well, that's great. I will, I will check those out. <laughs> Please do. And let me know what you think when you have a chance to read them. Okay. Will do. Um, okay. So the, <laughs> it's, it's really hard for me to even talk about other stuff in this episode uh, <laughs> other than the spike thing. It's but, like yada, 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 yeah. the, the, whatever. And then the scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say I genuinely liked the actress that played Nancy. I, I, I again, I would not have minded if Nancy had stuck around and we'd gotten a little bit more of her. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked her too. I, I thought she was um, very like she had the vibe of the cast. Yeah. I, I thought she would have fit with the dynamic pretty well. It would have been yep. fun to see that, but um, alas was not to be um, <laughs> Anya gets some good lines in this. Like when yep. <laughs> I love, Oh man, I love Anya when they when she's at the bronze and, and Buffy and Xander and them walk in, she's like, Oh, penis. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. And, uh, and her genuine, like just the tone of her voice and the look on her face when she says, bite me, Harris. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Because I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if the scene was meant to play straight um, or if we were supposed to roll our eyes or be upset at, uh, at Xander for his whole, you know, when she says that, you know, you left me at the altar and implies that that has really messed her up or whatever. And Xander says, and sooner or later that excuse just stops meaning anything or what I can't remember what he says, but yeah, that's when I want to take that ax that he was going to use on spike and use it on, <laughs> parts of him okay see i i couldn't tell based on the scene if that was like a straight up line delivery where <laughs> where the writers are speaking metatextually and and like yes anya needs to move on she needs to let that go or if we were as i was being like 
Shut the hell up, Sander. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Um, yeah. But regardless. Regardless. I mean, it, it's so hard for me now because I know James and I know Nicholas and I know Emma and like trying to split up their characters from their uh -huh. personalities. Uh -huh. It's all mixed up in my head now. Um, <laughs> but. You know, I, I had so many disappointments in Xander over the years. So many times where he was just such a hypocrite. And that was just one of those times where I was like, man, I just, I don't ever want to see this character ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's leave that character behind and let's just go ahead and get to the end. Well, before we get to the end, so there's the the silly rubber worm monster which actually um like i i i praise the effects on this show when i think they're praiseworthy and i laugh at mm -hmm. them when i think they're laughable and this one was kind of somewhere in the middle but i am impressed to have read that um none of that was cg like that was actually a practical physical like mechanical puppet thing or whatever that they <laughs> built that like they burst up through the floor of the set or whatever. So uh -huh. knowing that it's a little bit more impressive than <laughs> it had been otherwise, but ultimately still it's just a silly rubber worm <laughs> that uh, ate the damn dog. I can't believe they did that. I know. I, I always have such a hard time when any kind of pet, Mm -hmm. gets injured on a show. I actually, I, there was an episode of Lost, and I obviously don't want to spoil Lost for anyone who didn't watch it, but um, <laughs> my favorite character on the show ended up um, squishing an animal, and uh -huh. I never watched the show again after that episode. <laughs> oh, ouch. Wow. And, and I was <laughs> I was very obsessed with that show. Yeah. But that that was it for me. Um. Okay, so leading into that final scene, we get uh, Spike being uh, trying to be all valiant and heroic as he jumps in with the the rebar to kill to slay the dragon, just mm -hmm. as it just as it transforms back into Robbie or whatever the loser boyfriend that we never got to know, <laughs> whatever his name was. And uh, James James is acting in that scene. Spike's reaction to that was fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, first there's the whole chip thing, which that's a whole other issue. So he reacts to the pain of the chip, but then his his sort of sold reaction uh, was very moving when he suddenly yeah. realized what he had done. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and then he rushes off in a in a fit of lunacy and we and Buffy tracks him to the church. Mm hmm. So which, by the way, why? What? How many? How many churches just pop up overnight in Sunnydale, <laughs> whenever they just need as them? Just many graveyards. Uh, yeah, true. Um, all right, so let's talk about this final scene. Yes. So, like I said, it was it was actually filmed slightly differently prior to that, and mm -hmm. I've I've seen some of it. And while good, and James makes a really valiant effort. It's just, it, it's still crazy, but it's not nearly as powerful and emotional. Um, and then the one that got redone 
by Joss is just, it, it's baffling to me why there were not people storming the Emmys for not giving mm. him best actor. I mean, you, you, everything about that scene, I, I, there were so many lines in it where you were just, you know, full of sin, full of guilt, full of hate and love and loss and feeling was what was written in the first one. And then you get the second one where it was like soul crushing to watch him with a soul. You're like, why did I want him to have a soul? He hurts so much. <laughs> and he's burning and Buffy's running away. <laughs> I, I was in tears. It was horrifying. <laughs> well, um, fortunately this, the episode itself ends before, like you don't find out that she, she abandoned him until next episode. So just in the context of this episode, um, one of, of course, James's performance. I mean, this is, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say this is at least arguably James Marster's finest performance in the entire series. Um, Man. It's possibly one of the best scenes of the entire series front to back. Um, so James's performance is absolutely stunning, but having Sarah Michelle Gellar, having Buffy there to witness that and her reaction to it as she's, she obviously still cares for Spike in some way, or she wouldn't be there. And even though she, you know, grabs a stake and she, she tries mm-hmm. to be all uh, standoffish or whatever, she mm-hmm. really is moved by his plight. And as she, as it dawns on her that he got his soul and how did he do that? And why would he do that? And when, when he, drapes himself over the cross and says uh, one of my wife and I were talking about this. Uh, this is one of the two lines that we say that we repeat uh, just in day-to-day life. Most often the um, can we rest now, Buffy, can we rest? Oh yeah. Uh, and the tears just pour down uh, Sarah's face, Buffy's face. Like that really sells it for me. It was super yeah. moving, and I, I would have been in tears anyways, even if Buffy wasn't in the scene. But the fact that she was there to witness it, and it clearly moved her, was at least a moment's worth of connection between those two characters, and I really loved it. Yeah. I'm, you know, when, when I go back and I kind of dissect the scene, um, you know, a lot of things that brought us to this point had to do with the fact that fans were pushing so hard for Buffy and Spike to be a couple. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of writers pushing back saying you can't have her being in love with the vampire because it kind of ruins the whole point of the show. Then you had the scene in seeing red where Spike was attacking Buffy. And that was just a deal breaker for so many fans Mm -hmm. for them to ever be together. Even people that were big spuffy shippers. Um, And then, you know, from my perspective and we've, we've had this discussion before about who exactly was the bad boyfriend in the relationship. And, you know, based on what I know about bad boyfriend relationships, the, it's more Buffy wanting to hide it. Buffy just wanting the sex when he wants the love and all these other things. And this whole um, seeing red was based on a, a relationship that one of the writers went through where yeah. she felt if she, 
you know, kind of forced her boyfriend to be physical with her, that their relationship would get better. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, the writers weren't thinking in terms of the male-female dynamic being very different. So you get to the scene, and for me, I think the, the most powerful line in it is the fact that he starts saying, you know, hey, no touching. Mm-hmm. Am I flesh to you? You know, <laughs> nothing else, not a spark. So, it, you know, you don't care about the soul. You just want the sex. Oh, fine. Flesh then, solid through. Get it hard. Service the girl. Yep. It's like that right there is so devastating because he's saying I, I was just, you know, a, a sex toy to you and I went and did this thing because I wanted to be a good person, but that's not important. And I, I, that was the part where I just started bawling. And then of course it just gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm a little bit devastated to, to know that it gets worse before it gets better. Like, (laughs) like I know, uh, that at a certain point in this, in like the first half of this season, uh, the first manipulates Spike and and everybody to make it look like Spike is the bad guy again. So I yeah. I, I know there's a certain time period where uh, they're convinced when he's burying all those bodies in the basement. Yeah, that that they're <sighs> convinced that Spike has gone back to his old ways, and that just breaks my heart. But um, anyways, yeah, the scene. Um, Nikki uh, Stafford in uh, in her book Bite Me, yeah, yeah. Uh, described that as positively Shakespearean, and I I agree one hundred percent. I have to believe, even if I hadn't already been he- head over heels in love with Spike, it's hard for me to imagine. But I I think if I wasn't already, that scene would have done it. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of what the writers and what Joss was counting on is they're like oh my god we ruined this character too much with that scene Mm -hmm. we really have to go and get that sympathy back any way we can and it's done in such a powerful way but like i said it's a deal breaker for a lot of people so it wouldn't have mattered what they had done it just spike was never ever going to have a chance for many of those people yeah. Um, okay. Well, as I, I don't want to, but let's let's let that one go <laughs> let's, and let's go let our skin crawl for a little bit. Yeah. Let's move on <laughs> to the next episode. Uh, speaking of deal breakers, I guess because uh, the next episode, same time, same place, is uh, meant to begin addressing the redemption of Willow. Yep. Um, so we've got. Two fan favorite characters, um, ostensibly different groups of fans, but two fan favorite characters, Spike and Willow. Both of them have done unforgivable things, and yep. now they want and forgiveness. Let's compare and contrast, shall we? <laughs> okay, how, let's do it. How do we forgive a friend versus how do we forgive a lover? <laughs> <laughs> what special treatment does a Scooby get versus a Scooby ascended? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, Willow's basically forgiveness by cookie, <laughs> where Spike is forgiveness by burning on a cross. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to tarnish Willow by casting her in the light of <laughs> Spike, but, um, 
Uh, I mean, she was ready to destroy the entire world. Yeah, yeah. Because she was pissed off. Whereas Spike in the past has said, oh, we talk a big game. Yeah. Uh, us but, big you know, bads I about just, destroying the world. We kind of need people because they yeah, need us. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's anyways. basically doing what he needs to survive and having a little fun along the way. Sure. That's all. Sure. It's like you can't blame a lion if they eat a lamb. <laughs> that is what they do. <laughs> right. Sure. Um Okay, so I love the way this episode opens. I love the the kind of gimmick of it, I guess. Um I should say that this episode's written by Jane Espenson, so you know going into it, just right off the start, you know that it's gonna be funny and emotional and it's gonna have great dialogue. There are gonna be so many yep. so many fantastic quotes in a in an Espenson episode. Um yeah, and get funny or punny or both. <laughs> yeah. Uh and directed by James Contner, who's a, a veteran at Buffy uh, by oh, this very. point. Um and the opening sequence is fantastic. The uh seeing the airport <laughs> scene from two different perspectives, two different realities. Mm-hmm. What, however this spell works, whether it's uh, she's just invisible or they're like actually kind of across realities. Different phases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought it was great. The way they had, you know, they used the kid dropping the backpack as a visual cue to... Uh, yeah, it, it's the sixth sense kind of yeah. way of handling things. Yeah. 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 It was really well shot. I really liked it. Very much. Um, uh, what do you think about the episode? What stands out to you? Um, for me, because I'm Spike centric, uh-huh. I had a really hard time with how they used Spike as their bloodhound. To smell down uh-huh. Willow's location, um, but other than that, I mean, I thought there was a a really good methodology in this one, just like in the last one, in trying to stir sympathy and forgiveness to Willow. Um, I I always get annoyed by how easy it is for us to forgive Buffy, Willow, and Xander, but um, you know, I. I there were some very powerful scenes. I just absolutely hated um, Dawn being the the zombie girl, <laughs> just kind of frozen like a board. Um, I was disturbed by the skin peeling scenes, but I mean, Willow did completely skin Warren. So, yeah. um, and I, I just, I, I was pleasantly not disgusted by the episode. How's that? Ple- pleasantly not <laughs> disgusted. Pleasantly not disgusted. Okay. All right. That's a take. That's a take on it. When I had read the scenes beforehand, again, got script early, I was like, ew, I don't want to watch this. This sounds just gross. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that they did a really good job of, you know, kind of getting you to let Willow back into your life a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a, as a fan in the world of fans, not as in the reality, the characters live in, but as a fan, I was always going to forgive Willow. I mean, (laughs) 
it's Allison, it's Willow, you got to let her back in. But I get, I totally get what you're saying. I'm with you 100% that it's it's so irritating that the Scoobies have special privileges of forgiveness and Yeah, well, and if it, if it wasn't in contrast to, you know, Anya and Spike, I mean Tara not so much, but definitely Anya and Spike and their pasts and you know how Xander can be so adamantly opposed to Spike because of everything that he's done, but not have that same level towards Anya. He just disrespects her. He doesn't, you know, it's it's very hypocritical. Yeah. And all of my sympathy is always with the outsiders. So I, it's Agreed. hard for me. Agreed. Um, so Don gets a, an interesting line in this. Don gets to ask the most important question that's ever been raised on Buffy the Vampire Slayer when she says, I mean, will anyone around here ever start asking for help when they need it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Don. Why? <laughs> that, that has been the, the, the premise of this entire show. <laughs> will people ever start asking for help when they need it? Thank you Don. for speaking truth. Um, <laughs> let's see. What did we get? Fantastic scene uh, again with Spike in the basement where he's talking to Willow in one reality and Buffy and Xander in the other. Yeah. And so, so amazing to watch that uh, first thinking that Willow's the only one there and then rewatching it and realizing, oh, Buffy and Xander are right there. That's great. I don't... I don't know for sure. Maybe you do. I don't know for sure if it required uh, multiple takes, like if Spike had to deliver the same performance multiple times. I guess he would have to, because in one scene, he's a dry, he's saying those lines and Willow is right there, and then he's saying the lines and Buffy's right there. Yeah, they, they wouldn't necessarily have had to redo the close-ups, but any of the scenes that yeah. had both characters in, they would have had to um, record again. So, no. so yeah. As as someone who is not a professional actor, uh, I will admit to being super impressed at James's ability to perform the same sort of schizoid dialogue <laughs> multiple times and capture the same level of emotion. So. Yeah, and so you know, I was actually on set for um, not for Buffy, but for an episode of Angel. And even before that, I've, I've always followed the industry, so I kind of had an idea of how it would work. But there's usually, um, you know, a, a production manager with a big book, with a script, with all of the notes and all of the lines, and basically doing continuity to make sure when they're recording something and continuing it on the second day that everyone's wearing the same clothes and that they have the same jewelry on and all this other stuff they take pictures to make sure um but that's the same thing in this case is that they will have somebody sitting there reading the script timing it out and saying oh you got to do that again because this time you said it this way this time you said it that way um and then they also have the dailies so they can play back the dailies to the actor so they can see what they just did cool cool well they did it very well I loved that yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> I thought posable. I, 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 I was, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was going to say another thing that you mentioned before about how Spike can talk William. Uh -huh. um, that was definitely on display when he was talking to Willow about, you know, needing a permission slip yes. and you're not supposed to be here and all this other stuff. And you definitely heard a lot of William, I think, in 
their scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just keeps getting better. Uh, <laughs> so you you were you sounded very down on the posable dawn scene but i i was i was kind of amused by that i forgot to mention i want to jump back really quickly uh to the first episode lessons because um mm -hmm. there was the scene in uh when dawn first sees the the uh ghost student sitting next to her and it stabs her with a pencil yeah and she like screams and covers her face and throws herself to the floor um, I watched that scene like three or four times and I'm pretty sure that that was actually uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. I don't think it was a stunt actress or whatever who threw them like threw herself out of the chair, mm -hmm. but came so close to smashing her face into the chair next to her. Like mm -hmm. she just barely missed that when she flung herself to the floor. <laughs> so I, I yeah, I, I hope she got hazard like pay for that scene. Any kind of stunt, even ones that you think are going to be super simple, can sometimes turn on you, especially when you think that they're simple. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know Nikki had offered to do a, a prank fall down a flight of stairs because it's something he had done at home all the time. And he and his brother used to wrestle and he did it and he ended up getting injured. Um, and the same thing for James. He he insisted on doing this one little scene where his hand would be caught on fire. And they had like all the, you know, the anti-flame gel and all this other stuff. But he actually ended up burning himself. <laughs> um, huh. So that it's there's a reason why yeah. <laughs> there are stunt people. And they know that even something that seems harmless can be dangerous and and to take care well hopefully so. hopefully that was a double then that did it but uh like i said they didn't actually smash their face but man they came so close and it scared yeah. it scared me so i mean i i remember in the musical when um buffy needs her backup and um amber as tara actually spins right into the column in oh. the middle of their dance oops yeah, like you, you see it like shocking her. <laughs> She's like, oh, who put that pole there? <laughs> so she actually did smack into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I forgot that this, I, I forgot a great line that came in the, uh, in the Willow in one reality, Buffy in the other scene, mm -hmm. um, where I, I guess William, <laughs> young William says, <laughs> what's a word means glowing, got a rhyme. Right. I know. Oh, so good. That's why I'm saying this one here is so William. Yeah. 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 So good. <laughs> but that, that part, I, I just love that part. And also the, um, I think there's a part where he's talking about walling up the bad spark parts and putting your heart back in. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, his heart's <laughs> broken. He's trying to put it back in. Yeah. Um, Willow and Anya together. Uh, was mm -hmm. kind of kind of fun I don't I mean I know we got scenes with them they shared scenes in the magic box and stuff before but uh, just the two of them like getting an extended scene together I don't think that happens very often not often enough at least and so I enjoyed the, yeah. the dynamic that those two characters had and gave Anya an opportunity Emma an opportunity to say all sorts of great lines come in enjoy my personal space <laughs> uh, it's so Anya it's so perfect Oh yeah. Um, and uh, what? What was it after Willow gives this long? I don't. I don't have the Willow's quote written down, but Anya's response to it. Uh, 
where she says, wow, that was really over dramatically stated, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, I think it had, um, had to do with like a power charge or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was Willow talking about the, the horrors that she'd visited upon the world or, or whatever. I don't, I don't remember, but yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, even the music was sort of swelling as she was delivering and then Anya's <laughs> like that was really over dramatically stated but yeah yeah you're right um and we get a Clem shout out which is always good oh yes very much so always good Clem was such a a bright fresh note especially in season six yeah you yeah. know it, just when you needed him in the Dawn spinoff that we never got, I would like to believe that Clem would have been added as a regular character. Yep. I, I actually read this amazing fanfic. It was like a, an epic fanfic with multiple chapters. And I think um, like at one point, Dawn and Spike ran a detective agency together. <laughs> and in that storyline, like she she was helping Clem with something and like they were being like the 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 buddy movie it was real it was a fantastic fic and I just I can't remember enough about it because it was so long ago but Clem featured pretty prominently in it fantastic <laughs> fantastic oh <laughs> I want all these um all right uh what else important happened in this episode what else is there I mean I mean I know there's the ending is important, but uh, we sh I guess we should give a shout out to Camden Toy, the actor that played Gnarl, the demon. Yeah, and one of the gentlemen. Who also and, played yeah. one of the gentlemen, yeah. Um, so that had to have been pretty easy casting. We need somebody who's super creepy in like an evil fairy tale kind of way. Who could we possibly get? Um, yeah, he was... Who have we had scare people before? Right, hmm. right. Um yeah, that he was, I'm trying to remember the season one or season two episode. Was it Nightmares? I think it was Nightmares that had, uh, I might, I might be getting this wrong, but there was an episode earlier, um, with sort of a fairy tale demon that was killing children. That wasn't Nightmares. That was, uh, I don't remember the episode title now, but anyways, there was the the scary uh, fairy tale monster in that one that was that was killing children or stealing the youth from children or something like that. And uh, was that the killed by death one? With I don't remember the, the one with the flu and Buffy's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, that was Dirk Hindestad. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, I remember remember thinking that that monster was kind of creepy, but yeah. This gnarl is what you want when you're going for <laughs> like a creepy monster out of a that that skin crawly feeling. Yeah. And uh yeah. the sort of sing songy voice, which I mean I've heard, you know, shows shows have had villains be creepy by talking in that sing song sort of childlike yeah. voice before, and sometimes it's creepy and sometimes it isn't it isn't, but uh, <laughs> it was super creepy here. And the way he kind of talked with his hands and clacked his claws together. Yeah. Yep. Super creepy. Definitely. And you're right. There is something particularly uh, 
gruesome. I'm not squeamish at all. I mean, I, I told you I just spent over 30 hours playing The Last of Us Part Two, which is <laughs> the most brutally graphic video game I've ever played in my entire life. Um, I, I'm not even remotely squeamish, but there is something unnerving about the fact that Willow was paralyzed but aware as she was being slowly, like, piece by piece skinned. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's really not cool. It's and not it's, cool. It's a Jane episode. Right. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine? We're, we're going to have a creepy demon that peels skin. Let's get Jane on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Jane does the, Jane brings the witty dialogue. Um, like Dawn saying, it's smellometry. Yeah. That's great. I, um, I think she did the, the anchovy one too, that I love about it being the, what is it the the sweetest of the fishes or something like that <laughs> right that's a jane too yeah god bless her um okay so we don't get so the ending of this episode is not quite as like shakespearean or epic as the ending of the previous two but it's still moving um mm-hmm. again i i'm happy to say that i genuinely really liked buffy summers in all three of these episodes and so um, leaving aside the hypocrisy of how easy Willow gets off, let off the hook, um, I was really emotionally moved by that final scene, by seeing yeah, the two same. friends together, and uh, and you know Buffy saying, "Well, you can share some of my strength or whatever." I, that whole thing was very yeah. moving. Definitely, there there were so many great moving scenes in season seven. There was a lot of um, you know, f- friendships feeling like they were getting back to normal. There was there was a lot of good there. Mm-hmm. There really was, even with all the potentials mucking up the scenery. <sighs> yeah, you you're uh, clearly you're not a fan of the whole potentials thing, and I uh, I don't it's remember. Just, I, I don't know after, how I'm going to react to it. After so many seasons where you're so focused on this group to give so much airtime to all these new people was just so hard. It's like, but I, I wanted to know more about this and I, I wanted to see more of them. And, and that's mainly because it was the end. If, if there was another right. season, I wouldn't have minded the potentials. It would have made a great, you know, kind of middle of the, yeah. the thing. And, but for it to be the it's, very last season, your last year with these characters, it's, it's the catch 22, I guess, of being a, a creator at the end of your, of your story, because like, I'm sure that they were in some sense, they were probably throwing stuff against the wall to see what would stick and see what they could potentially make a spin out, a spinoff out of. Could we have a show about Dawn and her buddies uh, in high school? Well, guess not, according to the fans. How about a show about the potentials? Could we do something with them? Well, maybe not. The fans don't seem too down on that either. So um, so how about just Spike? Exactly. No, we can't do that. We already have a show about a vampire with a soul. Right. Yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's a catch-22. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they want to try and figure out a way that they can get something new out of this, but they also have they owe it to the the fans and the you know the integrity of the show itself to do right by the characters that have always been there and so yeah 
don't know. I don't. Endings are hard, and I don't envy, uh, you know, writers on a a long form project like this trying to stick the landing. Yeah. No. I I can totally sympathize with what they were trying to deal with and everything else that was happening with you know Angel still being on and Firefly schedule being pulled up and and all this other craziness so trying to find new jobs (laughs) yeah um so it they did a valiant job i think it's it's not going to be what everybody wants but it's still again better than the majority of other television out there true very true okay um anything else that you wanted to say about any of these episodes um I mean, primarily just that even though I haven't watched it that often, there were still so many things in that season that are memorable and so many lines that people still say and think about and ask for for autographs. And so regardless of everything else, just season seven had a lot of good in it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's sometimes hard to remind myself of that because I just have such vivid memories of the life surrounding getting to an episode from all of the other seasons and then all of the rewatches of them. So when I think about season seven, it's like there's the difficulty of, of knowing that it's the last season and how sad I was about that and the the loss of the addiction to the show. Right. Um but there's also very powerful memories that are still there to the fact that I don't feel I necessarily have to go back and watch them all because like I, I can recite Spike's entire church scene to you. you know? <laughs> so it, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, we will, um, we'll see how I track through this season. Um, <laughs> tune in and see how I, how I do on this first full rewatch <laughs> of season seven and, um, what I enjoy more this time than I did before and what I hate more than I, this time than I did before. <laughs> um, but like I said, off to a great start. I, I genuinely had, I kind of just write season seven off in my, in my mind. Cause I, I don't remember it that well. And my, my basic thought is, eh, it was, I don't remember being blown away by it. So I'm not that worried, but um, yeah, I, th- this is a great start. These th- three episodes, I think we're all, good to great and it's a really solid beginning for the final season yeah so and i i hope you continue to enjoy the balance of the episodes me too fingers crossed i uh this entire project from the beginning has uh surprised me in the things that i um had a different reaction to than i remembered having ever before so yeah it's entirely possible like i came out of season six much more positive on it than i remembered i've always been one of those people who is just not really a fan of season six there's great (laughs) stuff in season six but overall i wasn't really happy with it and uh by doing this podcast on this rewatch and talking about it with other people i'm much more positive on it than i thought i would be Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe season seven we'll get the same boost maybe I'm keeping fingers crossed. Yeah. So thank you very much, Teresa, for rejoining me and for uh, helping me start off the season with a positive attitude. (laughs) I'm very glad that you invited me and I was 
happy to be a part of this, and I'm so sorry I wasn't available for a good chunk of time. Well, no, I mean you 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 had a life, so <laughs> you were you were living life on the road. You were you were traveling, but uh, that I was. Anyways, we we made it work. So uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm I'm going to give you the option to let the fine folks at home know how they can stalk you online if that's something that you want <laughs> absolutely um definitely check out support spike on facebook that's still kept pretty active we have almost forty thousand people um and then if you are so moved check out the um pages for ghost of the robot vidiots james marsters nicholas brendan um and and check us all out there's lots going on Excellent. All right. I, uh, yeah, you, you yourself do not have like Twitter or a personal Facebook or anything like that, right? Um, I pretty much use support spike for the majority of my social media. Cool. Um, because that's kind of been a huge part of my life for over 20 years now. Um, so that that's where they can usually find me personally, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Well, I, uh, Anytime I have a guest uh, who comes on and we get to this end where I'm like, tell the people at home how they can find you online. And <laughs> and the guest is like, oh, I don't have Twitter or Facebook. I'm like, God bless you. God bless <laughs> you. I wish I had your strength. <laughs> no, so, I, I feel the same, you know, not to sidetrack too far, but I think social media is just, it's a wonderful tool that gets used so badly so often. It's a mixed blessing. It's a mixed <laughs> and if, blessing. If it wasn't my quote unquote job, right. I probably would do everything I could to avoid it. Right. <laughs> well, um, okay. Support Spike doc, or support Spike on Facebook. I don't think I've, I don't think I knew that that was on Facebook. I'm going to have to follow that. But. <laughs> All right. It's, like I said, it's, it's a pretty active page and uh, I would be happy to have you there. Excellent. So thank you again for joining me. And, and thank uh, you. Thank you all at home for listening. You can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website conswithdead.com, um, or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes while you're there. Please rate us or write us a review. That really helps us find new listeners and spread the word. Uh, if you've got questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to share your thoughts on anything we've discussed, please join the conversation. You can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at conswithdead, or reach out to us on Facebook facebook.com slash yes indeed cons with dead uh next i'm joined by michael adams author of slayer slang a buffy the vampire slayer lexicon to get all linguistic about episodes 704 help 705 selfless and 706 him so until then ger arg everybody ger arg Istanbul was Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, been a long time gone. Constantinople, now it's Turkish delight, on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople, so if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks.